You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. All right, I have not had an energy drink or a beer today. I, have, I haven't watched football, but we've talked about football. I'm Nick Schwartz. He's Chris Unocero filling in here on Bink at Night. I could use a beer. I don't want an energy drink. It's too late. It's too late in the night for caffeine for me, but I could use a beer. It's about that time. It's about that time I'm craving one, but we got a little bit more work to do before we get that done. So Oscar Shibwe, I don't know uh, if you guys are familiar with this kid. He is uh, the big man for Kentucky. He actually spent the first couple seasons of his career at West Virginia, transferred to Kentucky this year, and is one of the front runners for National Player of the Year. His, his numbers are absurd, and it's not because he's the most skilled basketball player ever, but he's just uh, a physical freak. He's 6'9". He's got like a 7-foot wingspan. He's averaging 16 points per game and 15 rebounds per. If you watch the KU game, he absolutely dominated the Hawks from start to finish. Now, this is a guy, he's not like an elite prospect. He's not going to be a lottery pick because, again, he's 6'9", and he's a 5. That just doesn't play super well in the NBA. But he would be, he would get drafted, right? Maybe like a late first-round pick, early second-round pick Yeah, if he were to go. But he plays for Kentucky. And there's something really interesting about Kentucky, and I've covered college basketball for a long time, and KU and Kentucky sort of have this pseudo-rivalry, and a lot of it's about history and tradition and who has the better program and who has the better fans. I will tell you this. I, I, I can't answer all those questions, but the one question I can answer unequivocally is that nobody has crazier fans than Kentucky. And I don't even mean that as a negative, but if you've ever been to Kentucky, you quickly realize there's nothing else going on in a sports perspective, in a sports capacity other than Kentucky and Louisville basketball. It's why that's such a good rivalry. Because they don't have pro teams in Kentucky. It is Kentucky basketball. It is Louisville basketball. You own an entire state. And it's what makes it a really good program, but it's also what makes it a very unique program. There was a piece posted by uh, Kyle Tuck on The Athletic earlier this week when he's talking about Oscar Shibwe, who... Because of his situation, um, in that uh, he had to get like Im- his immigration status, he's not originally from the United States. Is is that he had some some legal issues that he had to sort of get through before he was able to take advantage of these new 
name, image, and likeness opportunities than most other players. And just last week, he finally was granted the opportunity to do that. And his agent said that when he, he posted a tweet that said he was open for business, and within 45 minutes, his agent had 36 email inquiries talking about NIL deals. By the time he woke up the next day, there were 192 more. Everybody in Kentucky and the surrounding areas wants a piece of this kid because he's a national player of the year candidate playing for one of the best teams in the country who happens to have one of the most rabid fan bases in the country. Now, there's a couple guys already on the team, Ty Ty Washington, Shaden Sharp. These guys were like top 10 recruits coming out of high school. Uh, they showed up on campus and got free Porsches as a part of their NIL deal. Meanwhile, Remy Martin shows up in Lawrence and he gets a Camry. <laughs> like, hey, I'm, at least he got some hey, wheels, he's got man. Hey. He's got a car. I'm Camry not is, Camry is a, it's a, it's fuel efficient. The new Camrys actually look kind of nice. Is you it a new what? one or is it like a yeah, 2014? No, it, it was a new one. It was a new it's one. It's a new one. Okay, he got, a, he got a pretty nice little deal. Yeah, he did. It's not a Porsche. But you know what? The Porsche, you got to put... He's not getting a Porsche. Like, you know what? Uh, the Porsche, you got to put premium fuel in that yeah, bad boy. Yeah, no, yeah, no. They're going to get but. you a nice Camry from Bob's <laughs> Ford. I mean, Bob's Toyota down, down the street from campus, and you're good to go. That's right. We're not giving free advertisements to any car yeah. dealership. I don't I don't, I don't. know any car. I don't, I've That's only fine. been to Lawrence a handful so, of um, So he's from the... Uh, the uh, the Congo, and so he's got all these sorts of issues that he had to work through, which is why he wasn't able to get any of these deals before uh, you know, when the season started or before now. And in talking to his agent, Kyle Tucker is talking to his agent while he's writing. He goes, I'm looking at my email right now from somebody who is offering a six-figure contract deal right now for this kid to to sign an NIL deal. Again, $100,000, $200,000, that's a chunk of change for anybody. It doesn't compare to the guys who are going to be first-round picks or who are going to be lottery picks who are going to get those guaranteed deals. Like it's, it's, it's not that kind of money. But I'm going to be really fascinated to see if NIL, because we, we didn't know how any of this was going to work, it's sort of the wild, wild west, and it's not really being legislated, so it's really hard to track. Do you think guys are going to turn down pro opportunities or at the very least like stick around for an extra year because they realize I'm worth more in this college town than I'm going to be at the next level? And if there's even a if there's a if there's a, a slight hitch in your ability to make that decision, if you're saying, well, I, I know I'm going to go pro eventually, but maybe I'm not ready right now. Doesn't this make you think twice if it's like, I can get a Porsche and a quarter of a million dollars to stick around in college for an extra year and dominate, by the way, and, oh, maybe in the process improve my draft stock and and improve my earning potential when I do go pro? It doesn't apply across the board to everybody, but I think this is going to change a lot of kids' decision-making process. I think if someone is not a lottery pick, like if someone's being projected to go in the 20s, I could see this motivating them to stay a year or two. If someone's projected to go in the lottery, they're not because they can they can afford to buy a Porsche when they get to the NBA. So I, I don't think see that happening. Like and right now, like the problem is like the NIL deals don't equate to what you could make in the NBA. Cause like you look at the money that guys in the NBA are making, like they're making millions of dollars. Like was it Bryce Young from, you know, he he got an NIL, though, like maybe seven figures. 
Like oh, yeah. I mean, we, you're talking about multi-million dollar deals that's that are going to be on the table. That's what I'm saying is like un- until NIL deals can grow to where they're worth like eight figures, like eight plus million I don't think it's going to entice that many people to stay. Like if you look at, if, if you look at, uh, you know, Toshibwe, like this is a kid that is been in college basketball now since 2019, probably not going to be a high pick. Cause generally yeah. we're seeing those guys get drafted within their first couple years of playing college. So if he does, he's probably going to be twenties, if not second round. Right. So he's not like a premier talent, so it makes sense for him to stay, collect as much money as he can, and then see if he can go play pro ball somewhere. But for someone who is projected to go pretty high, maybe even have a chance at the lottery, I don't think it's going to change their mind because you can make a hell of a lot more money playing in the lottery and, oh, by the way, uh, playing if you get drafted in the lottery and, oh, by the way, you can still go and make those same advertising deals that you're making. So... I, I think this only works if you're someone that isn't really projected to go that high in the draft. But that, that, that's the, the thing place. is I wonder is w- what types of companies are going to be the ones offering the multi-million dollar deals? Because you're right to an extent, but the localized aspect of it is where these guys have enhanced value. Like, right. like Oscar Shibwe from a marketing standpoint has a lot of value in Lexington, Kentucky. He doesn't have a lot of marketing value in Boston no. or New York no. or any of these major NBA markets. So that's just it. But the flip side of that is how many local companies are willing to shell out that sort of money for no, NIL? And that's the reason why it wouldn't affect someone who could make big money. Like someone whose chances of making a roster being questionable, like someone who's borderline second round, you know, maybe not even getting drafted, probably going to be more enticed to stay because they're probably not going to make that kind of money elsewhere. But, you know, certainly top prospects – I mean, if you can get signed to a Nike deal in college, you can get signed to a Nike deal going pro. So it's not going to keep you there because you're still going to get the money either way. The, but the only difference is if I'm okay, let's, let's just use Ochai for an example, right? Yeah. Local kid, top five player in the country. Yeah. An Adidas deal for him this year is worth more than an Adidas deal for him next year. Because this year he's, he's, he's going to be on TV the same amount of times. He's going to be on national television probably more times this year than he will be next year. And he will be featured as like the guy scoring 25, 30 points a night. Whereas next year he's in the NBA uh, getting 25 to 30 minutes a night. Like there's a big difference there. Now I, I know it's not, it's not always apples to oranges, be, apples to apples because uh, college basketball doesn't get a ton of viewership until like this time of year. They have like a five week window where they're actually relevant and putting up good viewership numbers. But these companies are savvy. Never underestimate these companies' creativity and trying to figure out ways to stay relevant for these kids. Because on the surface, yes, we can explain it away in a million different directions and say, this is why it's never going to be enough. This is why these kids are always going to choose the pro route. And for the most part, I would agree with you, but these companies and more importantly, these schools are going to start getting creative. Right. But here, here's my problem. Like the Ochai example is like he could still make money from Adidas and other places on top of his salary from the NBA. Yeah, that's the big part. And of so, it. Like, that's the big There's part. no base salary that you're working off. That's of what I'm saying is like because of the fact that he just before all of the endorsements he gets is making a hell of a lot of money from the NBA where like the average player makes like seven, eight million dollars a year. 
now you are adding those advertising dollars on top of what is an extraordinary amount of money you're making annually, it just makes more sense for him to go try his hand at the pros than stick around in college and be the big fish in the small pond. You know, I, I, I just feel like if you have the chance to make millions of dollars before the advert, you know, before we start talking in, you know, talking about the NIL deals and whatnot and the endorsements, to me, it just makes sense to go make those millions of dollars. He's Chris Sinos Unocero. I am Nick Schwartz. This is Bink at Night. Orlando Brown Jr., I believe, is going to get tagged by the Chiefs. It's only a matter of time. What else are you confident that will undoubtedly happen for the Chiefs this offseason? We'll talk about it next. This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We were talking about Oscar Shibway, the big man for Kentucky, who apparently has a multi-million dollar NIL deal on the table if he returns to Kentucky next year. Uh, He is wearing a Nike headband tonight, Chris. I'm watching the game right now. They're playing LSU live on ESPN. He is wearing a Nike headband. He was not wearing a Nike headband. In the, in the game from this past weekend. So. Somebody from Nike is like, bro, you better put the headband on. You want to start connecting some you dots? put that damn thing on. You didn't get to get it too creative to figure this for? one out. Yeah, it looks like uh, looks like the money's already rolling in. He just got a big block. Yeah, this guy's pretty good. So, you know what? If you're going to be, if you're going to go like 35th overall, you're not going to be a first-round pick, so no guaranteed money. And when you when you don't get paid guaranteed money, that means... The team that drafts you is not as financially incentivized to make sure that you work out. Yeah. It they can cut bait with you and it doesn't really cost them anything. And you're you're absolutely dominating it in the and you can get a multi-million dollar deal in college. You're not getting a multi-million dollar deal getting selected in the in the in the, you know, top 10 or the top 15 of the second round. Like, in that scenario, like, it is a perfect storm for a guy who might actually come back to college yeah, despite everything he would be, else. like, the prime example of somebody that would probably benefit from getting as much out of college financially as he possibly can. But, you know, if he were, like, two inches taller, he'd probably be a late first-round pick. Yeah, that's the difference between <laughs> yeah. being 6'9 and 6'11. 6'9 and 6'11, yeah. If he was a couple inches taller, he probably has a very good chance of going late in the first round. So the second time we've done this on this show, this is Bink at Night. I am Nick Schwartz. He's Chris Unocero. We're going to invoke the great Bob Fesco, who uh, who tweeted earlier that it is more than likely that Orlando, Bra- Orlando Brown Jr. is going to get tagged. More of an if or less of an if and more of a win. I think we kind of all uh, assume that all along. He'll get a long-term deal eventually from the Chiefs, but I don't think it's going to happen this offseason. I do think we'll get a Tyreek Hill extension, not just because you want to keep him around, but also giving him an extension can move some money from 2022. And I also think that Frank Clark is going to get cut. You're going to save a bunch of money. So those are, th- those are three things that I feel one with 100% certainty are going to happen this offseason. There are other things I feel good about, but those are the only three things I think you can say with 100% certainty are going to happen with the Chiefs this offseason. But in that next tier of things, like what's the other thing? What's the other thing that you feel great about? I want you to let me know on the Jay's Southland Tow Service text line, 913 913- 576-7610. No layups, okay? 
no Orlando Brown Jr. franchise tag, no cutting Frank Clark, and no Tyreek Hill extension. Those are layups. Those are no-brainers. Is Tyron Matthew, is it, a, is it a foregone conclusion he is not going to be in Kansas City next year? Are we, are we already willing to go to the point where we are saying Tyron Matthew is not going to be a chief next year? You know what I think? I think Patrick Mahomes takes a pay cut this year. I think he takes a big pay cut this year. To keep Tyron around? Not just specifically to keep Tyron around, but to open things up as far as potentially them being able to go and get like a a veteran pass rusher on a two-year deal. You know, let's say it's like a two-year, $13 million a year type deal. I could see him taking a pay cut. Because, like, that's, I mean, his contract's like, kind of set up for but that. But you don't think, it, you're right, it is. They can move a like, lot of money around and they can get really creative. It just doesn't the, make any sense on Patrick's uh, on Patrick's behalf for him to take a 10-year contract. But the, like, that's an but awful the problem with that, though, Chris, is that eventually, eventually there's going to be one of those years where you're you're paying Patrick Mahomes $48 million, like the, like the Falcons are dealing with Matt Ryan this year. But I don't know, even know if that that's going to happen. Cause you know, I mean, we saw it with the Patriots where it seemed like every year that they needed to make a move. Tom Brady was just like, okay, just cut some of that salary and put it yeah, in. It's like, dude, was he ever getting paid? Yeah. He's taking pay cuts that's what I'm saying. He just kept doing And if you're Patrick Mahomes and you're making all that state farm money and Oakley money, like he probably, he's sitting pretty nice right yeah. now. Like this is a guy who, hey, he ain't hurting for money. So I could very well see, just like, like I said, you know it is not a good idea for a great quarterback to sign a 10-year contract. It's an awful deal. So if you're going to do it, you're doing it so that you can create a position where you can take a pay cut in years that your team needs it so that you can create some cap room. So and I think I that he like, also looked at yeah. Brady and Rodgers and how they both found themselves in situations where – in Brady's case, he left because all of a sudden there was no talent left. Yeah. And in Rodgers' case, I mean, he was asking out last year because he felt like there was no talent left around yeah. him, which that was a little silly now looking at what they've done over the past couple of years. But you're right. I think Mahomes sees those situations and says, I don't want to wind he, up in he, that situation. He doesn't want to be in a situation where he's losing in the division. But you round, think he's doing you know? it for Tyron Matthew, though. That's the big I question don't, here. I don't know if it's Tyron Matthew specifically. I mean, maybe he's like, hey, man, you know, if I take $20 million, $21 million, because I, I think the most he can drop his salary by is like $21 million. So let's say he does that. And it goes from 35 to 14 now. I mean, I could very well see a situation where that helps them retain Tyron Matthew. Or it helps them go get that edge rusher that they, they really like that's veteran that can help them now, and they can not have to worry about that in the draft. Maybe they can go receiver or they can go safety in the first round. Like, that's the there's one options. I, that's the one I think is going to happen. The, I, like if, if, the, if the three things I laid out are 100%, the ni- where I'm at 95%, Vaughn Miller or Chandler Jones are going to be in Kansas City next year. I think it's probably more. I don't. I can't see Von Miller as a chief. I. I what? Just because he was a Bronco forever? No, it's not even. It's not because I'd love to see him here, but I don't think he. I just don't know if he wants to be a chief. That guy loved the Broncos, and he was very competitive. I could see him being like, "Yeah, I'm not going to go play for the Chiefs. I'll play. I'll go back to the Rams before I go to the Chiefs." What if the Chiefs said, "Hey, we'll give you a ton of money, though, dude"? I'm sure the Rams <laughs> will say, "We'll give you a ton of money too." Any team he plays for is going to give him a ton of money. So I, I just, I, I could see. I think Chandler Jones would be more likely. 
I, I think that if the, I'll tell you this, if the chiefs trade up in the first round, they're taking a receiver that I Garrett, that's my one where I'm a hundred percent sure if they're trading, no, up you can't, the you team, can't hedge your bet that you have to tell me that they're, I, they're going to trade they, up and get a if, receiver then. Okay. If they do, I'll tell you trading up, getting a receiver, like hundred percent sure they're not taking any other position, but receiver, they're going to take an Olave or a Jahan but Dotson, I don't like that, somebody man, like that because, because you, there is, they might even they might even take them where they are, but I think they're going to trade but up that's and, just and take it. a receiver. There's always value at receiver where they're currently at, and even later in the draft, right? But you can maybe there's a guy they like. Dudes. But maybe there's a guy. I mean, there's you know how it is. Sometimes you just like. You know a what? Guy. I know how it is, and I hate it. I mean, because here's here's one thing that I that I cannot stand with NFL teams. When you fall so, and you can do this with coaches too. The Panthers did it with Matt Rule. They fell in love with Matt Rule and gave him everything he wanted. Gave him the, one of the fattest deals in the NFL. Yeah, he's making a lot of money. From Stop <laughs> falling in love with guys as if they're the only option. I think the best talent evaluators know what they don't know, knowing that it doesn't matter how much I love this guy. Like, there's always a chance I'm wrong, and I'm not going to sell the farm on the idea that this this guy is the generational talent. And I know that's so tough to do because that's basically what Brett Veach and Andy did on, did on Andy Reid or on Patrick Mahomes. And it turned out, all right, you're right. They said, no, this guy's the real deal and it worked out and that's freaking awesome and I'm glad for him. But nobody is that good at scouting. Nobody. For Forever we thought the Patriots, what, what are they doing? Why did they draft so well? Until they didn't draft any player worth a damn for five straight years which led them to the situation that they're currently in. They have no talent because they didn't get anybody worth a damn in five years. So I get, I, I, I understand the idea of saying, okay, well, we love this guy. We're going to go get this guy. But I think there's also the element of don't ever fall too in love with somebody because there's always value. And when you fall overly in love with a guy, and if you end up missing, not only did you miss on the draft pick, you mortgaged yourself in a way that's going to hurt you even more than just missing on a guy. I think if you got the juice, then go out there and do what you got to do. If you really feel strongly about a certain player, like, I mean, like that's the reason why, like I had the confidence in Mahomes. Like if anybody heard me talk about Mahomes before the draft, I was like, I don't know about this dude, Texas tech quarterback. The thing that sold me was not anything I ever watched on the field with Mahomes. It was when the chiefs traded up 17 picks to go get that man. Cause Deshaun was still on the board. And I was like, okay, if Andy Reid is going to move up 17 picks to get a quarterback when he had the option to draft quarterbacks in previous drafts and he passed on it and he's and he is going out here and and still getting pretty decent years out of Alex Smith. If he's going to be aggressive at getting a quarterback, I'm gonna trust the guy that he picks because he sure as hell done he's done a hell of a job with the talent that he's had here. So if they go out there and they get a receiver and they feel very strongly enough to trade up into the teens or wherever to get that guy, then I'm going to be like, okay, your track record says you're pretty good at this and I'm going to trust you on it. So, you know, it doesn't always work out, but I'm going to, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in that situation. Yeah. It's hard not to, it's hard not to because the track record has been pretty good. And there've been a few stinkers there. There's one that I think we all look at and, we don't have to say it, but we all know what we're talking about. But for the most part, yeah, it is in Veach we trust uh, here on Bink at Night. And you got some flexibility now. 
The releasing of Anthony Hitchens yesterday, that frees up $8.4 million. So it was a no-brainer because it gives you some more financial breathing room. But I think what it really did was signal something even more important. We'll get into that next. This is Bink at Night. This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Speak at night on 610 Sports Radio. I am Nick Schwert. He is Chris Unocero. If you'd like to join the conversation, hit us up on the Jays Southland Tow Service text line 913-576-7610. Yesterday, Anthony Hitchens was released by the Chiefs. That's going to clear up about $8.4 million in cap space. That was one of the no-brainer decisions that we were just talking about in the last segment. And I mean, even throughout the season, you you kind of knew this was coming, knowing that that's a it's a lot of money for a guy who's not at a premium position and wasn't playing at a super high level. Now, he he filled a valuable role for the Chiefs. We can get into the X's and O's, but, I mean, he was one of the leaders on that Chiefs defense. And, I mean, it, it's, it's what, this is how it works in the NFL, man. Teams let, teams let good players go before they let leaders go. Now, he's not an Eric Berry type leader, right? He's not that guy. He's not even a Tyron Matthew type leader, but he was very clearly a big part of that locker room, but you knew he was going to go. And you could see this even coming down the pipeline with drafting Willie Gay in the second round uh, two years ago, drafting Nick Bolton in the second round last year, which and I think that aspect of it, who you are now turning the keys of this defense over to is even bigger than the idea that you're clearing up cap space. There's a good chance that Tyron Matthew's gone. And if Tyron Matthew and Anthony Hitchens are both outside of Kansas City playing football next year, who's the leader on this defense? I know your initial reaction would be to say Chris Jones, but (laughs) Chris Jones, any opportunity there was a time for him to sort of take the reins and be that leader defensively, it's never really been him. I don't know if there's anything really to read into and into that, but it just hasn't been him. Nick Bolton is 21 years old. He just finished up his rookie season where he played about 60% of the snaps. And the Chiefs clearly looked at his rookie season and said, yep, he's ready. Or we're ready to hand things over to him. He's got some shortcomings in his game. I know that he wasn't the most popular pick when the Chiefs took him in the second round last year coming out of Missouri. There were some questions about his size, but over the course of the season, he looked damn good. He led all rookies in tackles, and week in and week out, even when he wasn't playing all that much, he seemed to always be around the ball. There's nobody on the Chiefs defense who had a better nose for the ball than Nick Bolton did this year. And I'm looking at some of the stuff from midseason, man, and it's kind of funny to look back on it. And we were saying this at the time because it was very apparent Nick Bolton was one of your better inside linebackers. And there were injuries, like Willie Gay wasn't playing early in the season. Then Anthony Hitchens got injured. Then by the time everybody was healthy, Bolton effectively found himself fourth on the pecking order, behind Anthony Hitchens, behind Ben Neiman, and behind Willie Gay. 
He played 19 snaps in week 10. He played 19 snaps in week 11. He played 22 snaps in week 12. I mean, even in the postseason, Willie Gay was playing more than him. Yet there seems to be the prevailing sense that he is going to be the guy. Like this, He's the reason why the Chiefs are comfortable, aside from the financial reasons, which there are many, that he's the reason why the Chiefs are comfortable moving on from Anthony Hitchens. And like it or not, like this is the beginning of the Nick Bolton era because it's not just that he's going to be your, your number one inside linebacker, Chris, but like I view him as the leader in the clubhouse to be like the guy, the captain for the Chiefs defense, which is kind of crazy to say about a kid, not just that's going into his second year in the NFL, but a guy who wasn't even close to being a full-time starter in his first year in the NFL. I think the interesting thing, I mean, I, I think if there's going to be someone that steps up in a leadership role and place a hitch, it's probably more likely Willie Gay. Like if you've like seen the scene, like the Chiefs mic'd up, stuff on like YouTube or whatever, like he's pretty vocal. And, and you know, if they were to bring back Tyron Matthew, that would help out too. Cause he's obviously a very vocal leader on that defense, but this is going to be like, obviously Bolton big rookie year. He's going to be expected to be some, you know, whether it be an Alex Gordon lead by example type or being a, a very vocal rah, rah guy. I, I, I will say this. If he continues to play the way that he's been playing, he'll have credibility pretty quickly. Um, he 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 was easily their best run defender last year, and if he were to up his game in the as far as pass defense goes, pass coverage goes, and we see him continue to be the best run defender that they have on defense, now all of a sudden you know he pairs that with that leadership type personality he could be a guy that could very well earn the respect of those guys very very young cuz he's he's incredibly young uh for being in the NFL and being a second year guy now you know going into a second season i i will say that he would have the credibility to, to be that even above Willie Gay who i think is probably going to be the the guy who fills that leadership void in the middle of the defense what's so interesting about Willie Gay though is that I mean, training camp, his rookie year, he was the guy turning heads. Everybody's saying, this guy's the fastest dude on the field. He's flying all over the place, making plays. Rookie year, played sparingly. What was his, uh, his snap count his rookie year? He played in 16 games, started eight of them, 25% of snaps. Didn't play at all in the postseason. Come back to this year, we thought, okay, same thing. Training camp, flying all over the place. Everybody we're talking to, hey, who's the breakout candidate, right? We're talking to Pete Sweeney. We're talking to Nate Taylor, Mitch Holtis, all these guys. Sean Barber, Danny, hey, watch out for Willie Gay, man. He's all over the place. He's doing all this stuff. And he didn't play at the beginning of the year. 12 games this year. Played about 57% of snaps. But to your point, in the postseason, right, when the games mattered most, he was on the field a lot. There was a lot of Willie Gay in the postseason. Should we be talking about Willie Gay more than we're talking about Nick Bolton? Because the, the, the prevailing sense seems to be that this is now going to be Nick Bolton's defense. But Willie Gay's been there a year longer. Now, we know he was battling some mental health issues where he had to take some time off. And, and uh, you know, the Chiefs put, I mean, Andy Reid, I mean, vocally, publicly was supporting him and addressing it and being public about it. So... 
I'm not going to speculate as to that, uh, the idea that that's going to continue to be something that he's going to have to deal with or that it's going to be an issue in keeping him from, from playing. But it, it feels like it's the beginning of the, of the Nick Bolton era because of how good he was as a rookie. Willie Gay has just never had the season where he's been ultra productive, but you think he's the guy maybe we should be talking more about here as, as they sort of go through a, a facelift at that linebacker spot next year. I think he's probably more important to the defense because of his ability to play in pass coverage. That to me is that, I mean, that's the reason why Bolton wasn't seeing as much time in the middle of the season and certainly in the playoffs uh, you know, as Willie was, because Willie's better in pass coverage. Willie's the guy that they really like because of his ability to play back there and probably the biggest motivation for them getting rid of Hitch. I think we all knew when they drafted Willie Gay last year, uh, oh, a couple years ago now, like, yeah, that's your guy that you're playing in pass coverage. That was all we heard about. Like, PFF, he was their top graded pass coverage pa- uh, pass coverage linebacker in all of college football at AM. Like, he was a guy that they was highly touted for his ability to play in, in pass coverage. I feel like that's the guy that's going to be more important for what you want to do because the Chiefs are the kind of team, kind of like the Colts were during the Peyton Manning days, where it's like, let's get a lead, and then let's just pin our ears back, play pass defense, and then, you know, force a, a team to have to play catch-up. And, and our defense will be good enough to not let them do that. And so I feel like for what they like to do – Willie Gay's much better than than Bolton because Bolton not very good at pass coverage at least right now. No, I mean, and and, and it, it's his rookie season, yeah. right? It is rookie season, and and things it, could change. Yeah. If you just want to view it through that prism, if you just want to say like, okay, this guy was a rookie, he was a second round draft pick by almost every measure. This, the dude, you got more than what you would have hoped to have gotten, and the idea that okay, now you've you, you're clearly the best run stopper, you're the best run tackling linebacker. Now you need to improve in these areas, right? Find, locate your weaknesses, work on them and get better at them. What you're talking about, like the difference between the version of Nick Bolton we saw this year and a version of Nick Bolton that's like marginally better in pass coverage is the difference between him being a really good rookie linebacker and him turning into one of the better linebackers in the NFL. Would you not? Would right. you agree? Yeah, he, I mean, if, like, and that's, that would be an incredible get to have that at that spot two years into the league. Oh, yeah. Like, if he becomes – if he just becomes, like, a decent pass coverage linebacker, he's one of the best in football at that point. Like, far – like, he was one of the best run-stopping linebackers I mean, easier in said than year. done, but it's easy yeah. to get excited about the prospects of that. Yeah, and so, like, that's the thing that you hope. And if he does that, then he obviously surpasses Willie Gay in terms of importance. But because of Willie Gay's pass coverage ability, I think he's a little bit more important because – with the offense that you have, if they're able to go out there and just do track meet in the first half, force teams to have to try to play comeback against them, Willie Gay is going to be the guy that you want locking the middle of the field down. It's exciting. It's exciting at least to know that the Chiefs look at that position and say, okay, we are set there. And that's not to say they're not going to go out and get rotational pieces, go out a guy who could maybe supplant Ben Neiman and play 25, 40% of snaps and, and do certain things. Like They're not completely done, but... I don't think they're going to allocate any of their bigger assets, whether it be money, free agent contracts, or the premier draft positions on that position. But we know one thing. We know one thing about Brett Veach is that he always goes big. He always swings for the fences. I have no reason to believe that's going to be any different this offseason. But what will 
Brett Veach's biggest swing this offseason. B, we'll talk about it next. He is Chris Unicero. I'm Nick Short. It's Bink at Night. This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Coming down to the home stretch here on Bink at Night, 610 Sports Radio. I am Nick Schwartz. He is Chris Unocero. How about this? We were talking earlier about the report from the New York Post that ESPN, close to finalizing a deal with Troy Aikman to be the new lead color commentator on Monday Night Football. Troy's been with Fox for years, become synonymous with that number one broadcast there with Joe Buck. And apparently was being courted not just by ESPN, but also by Amazon, who has the Thursday Night Football rights. Well, now Ari Myrov, I hope I'm saying that name correctly, is reporting that Troy Aikman is now finalizing the deal, which is expected to be for five years worth around $17.5 million per season. Now get this, get this, Chris. According to this post, or this report, ESPN could also try to pry Joe Buck away from Fox. So they're just trying to steal the Fox broadcasting crew and put it on Monday Night Football. That's uh, very akin to like what happened when CBS got rid of the NFL and Dude, then there's no, Summerall and Madden went over to Fox. There's, there's, no way, there's no way Joe Buck would leave, right? I hope he, I actually would like to see that. I'll say this, man. I, I actually really like that broadcasting crew. Like Troy Aikman says stupid stuff every now and then too, but I actually like that crew. So I would prefer that over whatever the hell they're trying to do. Okay. Cause they switched the, so, like every two years on so Monday Joe Night Buck, Football. But Joe Buck, he, that means no more. I like Joe Buck. So I don't, I know, I don't, but I, he does so much other stuff. I mean, he clearly wouldn't be doing any more world series games unless ESPN got the world. Series. He can do the home run derby. Yeah, he could do the home run derby, <laughs> dude. You know what? Be you know what's so funny about Troy? I don't know how people feel about Troy Aikman. I think a lot of that's I the think thing. he's very it's good. So, I think he's very good. Here's the thing: it's so popular to just hate on every broadcaster. Yeah, and just be like, oh, they all suck. They all say stupid things. Like I know Joe Buck's not popular around here because of the World Series when he yeah, was very complimentary of Madison Bumgarner, yeah. who yeah, I, I don't know. You know, Madison Bumgarner happened to have one of the best postseason runs of all time. He was great. God forbid Joe Buck recognized that or acknowledge <laughs> it during the broadcast. But that's neither here nor there. If I am okay, no, so, so so this is now going to have ripple effects because now Fox is going to need to find somebody to replace Troy Aikman with if he leaves. Now, the same guy Ari Myrov is reporting that Greg Olson and Sean Payton are among the candidates to replace Aikman as Fox's number one guy. They could also, get this, did you know they could do this? They could also trade for Drew Brees, who is currently at NBC. Did yeah, you know we, that? Did yeah, you know you could seen, trade broadcasters? Yeah, because we've seen trades before. Like, I think I remember there being a trade not too long. Maybe it was, I don't know if it's Tarico, but like, Somebody got traded from some place to another. I I know it happened recently, but you know the Jay Southland Tow Service text line could probably fill us. Yeah, let us know. But if like, you know. Some, I know someone got traded not too long ago, pretty recently, as far as broadcasting goes. So yes, it, it can happen. I I don't know if like I I'm not, I don't know if Drew Brees is the guy you want doing color commentary. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he's. Gonna be the heir apparent he to Chris did Collinsworth. Some, he did Notre Dame yeah, football. Yeah, he this did. Year. I, yeah, and I I didn't watch it because I don't I don't watch Notre Dame football. But you know, like maybe maybe he is the guy. So get this though, 
here's what I'm thinking. Greg Olson has been out of football for one year, two years. I think. Didn't one. he just play I last think he year? He played 2020, and I think this was his first year. And he was doing studio work, right, for Fox. He was on like the Fox brought like the game day. No, crew. he he did color commentary. He did. Okay, yeah. so he would he but during also Thursday was night, pretty good. Yeah, also but during Thursday good. night football, yeah, he was I doing think, he yes. was doing the, the studio yeah, work for so, Thursday night. Yeah. Greg Olson, you're right. I agree with you. He's really good. But here's what you got to start with. Re- if, if Olson also did XFL two years ago, too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So Aikman's been doing this for a long time. But Tony Romo's the one who broke the sports yeah, broadcasting bubble. He's awesome. I love Tony. Like 10 years, 180 million. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> here's the deal, man. If you are even a, a marginally interesting personality, I don't care how good you are. If you're marginally interesting and well-spoken, I don't care if you're 22 years old and you're in the NFL. You need to start taking media training every single offseason because you can make NFL money without having to play in the NFL just by doing this stuff. Greg Olson's been out of the league for a year, and he might all of a sudden be Fox's number one color commentator. Now, he's not going to get the 17 or $18 million per year, but I can tell you he's going to be making damn good money, probably better money than he ever made during his NFL career. He was a tight end, and he was never like the tight end. He was never Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski. He was never making that kind of money. He was pretty strong. He was, he was strong. strong but, oh, he was strong, he but, was that strong position, but that position – you know, you're, you're probably making, what, $8 million a year. I'm, I'm not going to pull up his contract. Eight, eight I don't really million care. is a little low. Man, that might be a little high. For That's Greg like, Olson? Yeah, if, I mean, maybe he got like a year or two where he was making that. Okay, so now I got to check. Now you're going to make me check. I, I'll tell you this. If there's one guy I think is could be like a big money, I don't, I, I don't, obviously we don't know his. He was making, he was making about uh, five or six mil per year at his peak. Yeah, yeah. Like if I don't, and, and I don't know if this guy's, Color commentary skills. But I, I for sure as a studio analyst, Travis Kelsey is going to be someone yep. that every, like, just like Shaq, yep. when Shaq retired from the NBA and everybody was trying to get him and eventually eventually Turner got him, I, Travis Kelsey is going to be someone that is, like, everyone's going to try to get that guy at least in their studio, if not uh, calling games for them after he finishes his career. I Absolutely. And you notice, I don't know if you paid much attention to this, but uh, Travis Kelsey's media tour got a little bit more busy this year. Oh, yeah. He was doing interviews during Super Bowl media. I mean, all year he was shilling Pepsi and Ghostbusters movie and Tide, and he was doing all sorts of stuff. I think this guy is realizing, you know, my it's not that his, his career is coming to a close, but you start thinking about life after football and like, hey, I've got a personality. I'm interesting. I'm well-spoken. I can make a lot of money doing this. Yeah, and I think that, like, maybe what we saw with ESPN was like a trial run. Like, hey, you're going to be 33 this year. Like, you know, how many years are you going to play? Maybe you got three, four more years left in you. Yeah, this is going to be like a, a internship, if we will, to see how you do. And maybe in a few years we'll sign you on to do our, our desk work, you know, work on our pregame show. Because you know how ESPN is. It's a rotating door as far as talent goes. Who else? Who else will be good? Russell Wilson, you think he'll be good this? Maybe. I don't know about Russ. It, the uh, thing about Russ's personality is it just feels like a little phone. It's just a little it insincere. Phony. It feels phony. 
I think that shines through on broadcast, man. You've got to just be comfortable. Yeah, I could see him doing trying to do play, trying to do color commentary, but yeah, doing he seems too much. Little, he seems yeah. funny to me. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out, but I think more and more of these guys are going to realize like there is so much freaking money to be made in broadcasting yes, that yeah. it's going to start getting really competitive. It's going to start getting really competitive for these guys that are at the tail end of their career. All right, thanks for hanging out with us. He's Chris Unocero. I'm Nick Schwert. It was a pleasure. Bink at night on 610 Sports Radio. We'll catch you later. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.